Peace and blessings to you, friends. Let us prepare for worship with the word of prayer. Let us pray. God of love and amazement, whose greatness is beyond our understanding, open our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship so that we might get just a bit closer to walking in step with you. Through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our call to worship will be on the screen as Jean gets that prepared for us. Your responses will be in bold. Good morning. Welcome to online worship. We're glad to be here. Come let us worship with great joy the Lord who greets us. Let, let us, us praise, praise God who lifts our hearts and spirits. Come on, everyone. Open your hearts to the Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord, Lord for your, your welcome. welcome. Amen. 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 Well, here we are again, friends. Another day of online worship. So I do welcome you today to worship. And it seems like an odd statement to welcome you to worship. After all, you are probably in your own home or at the very least you're with friends or someplace familiar. And we use the term welcome quite a bit, don't we? If we took a survey, if we asked a hundred churches what a church should be, I bet every one of them would say a church should be welcoming. And I wonder if you've ever taken the time to really think about what welcoming means. Sure, it's courtesy. That's part of it. We should greet people, although greetings look a little bit different these days. They have air fives instead of handshakes, maybe elbow bumps, head nods instead of hugs. But I chose this call to worship intentionally today, friends, as the second line states, come let us worship with great joy the Lord who greets us. And friends, sometimes uh, in these sermons, I share my many uh, seminary triumphs. Uh, I've had a few. But allow me to share with you one of my seminary blunders. I confidently wrote uh, what I thought was an excellent paper and I, about um, church mission. I wrote how it was necessary to welcome people to church as one of the strategies to grow churches. And my professor didn't quite see it the same way that I did, and I'm paraphrasing the comments, but the comments on the, on the paper were, Ron, it is the Holy Spirit that welcomes people to church. And being a welcoming church, Ron, has become somewhat of a buzzword. And as the call to worship states, it's the Lord who greets us at church. All the welcoming activities we could think of are worthless if the Lord is not in our churches. We call it God's house for a reason, friends. God is the host. And welcoming is more than having a great cup of coffee or delicious brownies. It's more than saying hello to a visitor. And we must remember because our doors will be open again soon that it's about hospitality. Everyone is welcome in God's house. The Holy Spirit welcomes them there. It is our hospitality once they get there that is important. And our greetings and our hospitality are definitely necessary. I'm not saying we shouldn't greet people. Just let us always remember that we are reflections of the body of Christ and our actions either welcome people or they repel people. It's about what happens the other six days of the week as well, friends. The Holy Spirit is the true host and authentic worship that invites the Holy Spirit 
is the way to radically welcome and include all who walk through our doors. So I've learned very quickly to drop the phrase welcoming church. That should just be a given. All are welcome by the Holy Spirit. Church by its very nature is welcoming, contains the greatest host of them all. So today I say, Lord, thank you for being present with us in the various places that we worship. And may everything we say and everything we do glorify your holy name. Friends, uh, we have the pastoral prayer and uh, there will be responses. And your response when I raise my arms, it's just going to be, hear our prayer, O God. So just hear our prayer, O God. This comes from um, an author named Ruth Duck. I just had the privilege to read one of her books for seminary. This just happened to be an electionary material. Let us pray. For all who labor without end, hear our prayer, O God. For all who are lonely, seeking a friend, hear our prayer, O God. For all who grieve and all who fear, hear our prayer, O God. For all who wait for a cure to sickness, hear our prayer, O God. For all who search for righteousness, hear our prayer, O God. And, and let us live the faith that we confess. Hear our prayer, O God. Holy healer, your people call upon your name. Send your spirit, hear our prayer. For those with whom our lives are bound, hear our prayer, O God. And those we name in silence, hear our prayer, O God. That peace may come in our own day, hear our prayer, O God. That your blessed word may light our way. Hear our prayer, O God. Your name be hallowed far and wide. Hear our prayer, O God. Your reign of justice long abide. Hear our prayer, O God. Holy healer, your people call your name. Send your spirit, hear our prayer, as we say the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, before we get to the scripture and the message for today, let me just briefly remind you again, the tithing information is on the Facebook page. Simply, uh, you can send a check if that's what you've always done. We appreciate that. Uh, thank you for supporting our ministry. We do have an online giving platform. You'll find that on the Facebook page. If you go to the About Us section and you click on the icon that looks like the world, it's very easy to set up, very secure. You can also text the word GIVE to the number listed on Facebook. Again, we appreciate uh, your continued faithfulness and supporting our various ministries. Let us pray for the offering. God of abundance and care, who calls us to worship with you, with our tithes and our offerings, bless this offering to your kingdom so that we might use it to do the work you've called us to do. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. 
Friends, our hymn for today is a, is a familiar hymn. As great is thy faithfulness. Gene will get that queued up here. Great is thy faithfulness. Receive you are also receiving me, 
And those who receive me are receiving the one who sent me. Those who receive a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Those who receive a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. I assure you that everyone who gives even a cup of cold water to those little ones, because they are my disciples, will certainly be rewarded. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Friends, that was out of the Common English Bible. I'm going to read the scripture again. I haven't done this in a while, but this time I'm going to read it from Eugene Patterson's version, the message. Again, verses 40 through 42. We are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone's help. This is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a house where the King James Bible was the only Bible. My mom would have nothing but the King James Bible. And I love the King James Bible. It has such a beautiful uh, language and the way it's written. In fact, I didn't know other translations really were in existence until I was well into my college years, even before seminary. And again, nothing wrong with the King James Version, but as I go along in seminary, I've been taught to read other translations of Scripture. In fact, in my preaching class, I was told you should always read three translations. And I found that advice to be of great value. And today uh, is one of those times where the, the different translations brought forth different meaning for me. And it's, it's often just little variation, but there can be a huge inspiration in those differences. For instance, I've read the Common English Bible and I've read the message today, but the New Revised Standard Edition uh, in the lectionary uses the word welcome instead of receive that you see in the Common English Bible. The message uses the word accept in place of welcome or receive, but there are differences. So there's three different words in the three translations, welcome, receive, and accept. And I'm able to get a depth of meaning by reading the three translations. For example, when I read the message text, which I just read, the phrase accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help really jump out. It spoke to me. I saw a different perspective. And the three translations that show welcome, receive, and accept made me think of the way that we should see our guests at church and all those that we encounter in life. We should welcome, but again, welcome's really hospitality. The Holy Spirit welcomes, but at the minimum, we should be good hosts. We should receive everyone that comes through and everyone we meet as children of God without filters. And finally, we should accept them for who they are, and I think also importantly of what they can teach us. Some of my greatest learnings come from conversations with folks that I just met. They come from a different perspective than I do. And so it was the message version that struck me so differently 
Then I had to go back and look at all of the translations again. But it was the message that found me asking the question, are my actions welcoming when I don't accept help or listen to those who are trying to help me? And could it be that when I fail to listen to someone else, when I fail to listen intently, do I fail also to listen to God? I'm going to let you hold on and sit tight with that for a minute. Probably won't be the last word on that. But the question really becomes, is are we closing our mind to God's teaching that we get from other people that we would encounter? And if we close our minds to speaking with other people, are we closing our mind to the message of God. There's another gem in this short little scripture, just a few verses that I found this week. The message version also talks about the job Jesus gave to the disciples as being a huge job. He acknowledges it. Nothing new, right? We hear it all the time. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. We know that that's true. But it's the next statement that really spoke to me. And Eugene Patterson in the message says, don't be overwhelmed by it. We can't be overwhelmed, friends. And he goes further and says, we got to start small. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, as a matter of fact, that's the best strategy. It is best to start out small. And as I read his words, I thought about my life and all my work escapades. And there's, I have a good friend, Jack, and he and I have worked many places together. Sometimes I was the manager. Other times I worked for Jack. We just kind of followed each other. But when I would get frustrated... I would say, Jack, I just don't know what to do. And his response was always, well, I wish you would just do something. <laughs> That's what he would say. That's what he would always say. Or shorter, just do something, Ron. Do something. Don't, don't keep thinking about it. Take action. And so, friends, that's my message. we got to start small, but we got to take action. And in the message translation, we see it could be something as small as giving a cold drink of water. And, friends, it's not about what we cannot do but it's about what we can do. And so as we continue on, there's another statement that spoke to me in the next few lines. It says, the smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. So it's either giving or receiving. And I think that's a very interesting but intentional choice of words. And at first I was drawn to the word smallest, again telling us to start small. The small acts do make a big difference. Then I read further and I saw the word apprentice. An apprentice means that someone that doesn't really have it all figured out. They're learning, but they're learning from someone else. They have chosen to work alongside someone else, trying to master a skill or a craft. And the learning always comes from studying and listening to others. Because an apprentice, by very nature, requires needing to have a teacher, teacher-student relationship. And so it's the smallest act of giving or receiving that makes us true apprentices. Sometimes we give the knowledge. Sometimes we write a paper we think so good that's going to give knowledge, but yet then we gain knowledge by the feedback. And sometimes we need to accept help from others that are trying to give us knowledge. And friends, I don't know about you, but for me, asking for help is sometimes very difficult. It's not within my nature. We have to humble ourselves and be able to ask for help. And sometimes the teaching and the help, it comes from unexpected sources, doesn't it? But we have to be active. We have to be intentional. And we have to be listening for the Holy Spirit. Now let's go back 
kind of to the beginning of the scripture where it says, anyone who accepts what you do accepts me. Well, friends, that makes me ask, what is it that we do? Well, we're supposed to make disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. That's what we do. We're to tell the good news, friends, and to make disciples. And those that accept the good news that we share, they accept God as the one who sent us. We are sent out by God. So we see that this text is about teaching. It's about learning, but we see welcoming and receiving and accepting. So it's also about hospitality. And what does hospitality mean for us in today's world? Because we know we're called to make disciples. We know that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us. But how do we do this work? And once again, Derek Weber in the United Methodist Lection, Lectionary Helps, he has some excellent things to say in the notes this week. And he says that Jesus, if you notice, never gives the disciples a script for what they're supposed to say. As you proclaim the good news, Jesus says, it's about as close as Jesus is going to get to being prescriptive. That's about as far as he says, as you proclaim the good news. And so from this that we can gather some things, that the good news is communicated as much through our living friends as through our speaking, as through our attitudes and through our facial expressions, through whatever words we find within us to speak or through whatever words that God and the Holy Spirit gives us to speak because speaking is also important, friends. We have to speak. We have to tell people the hope that lives within us. But the ones who don't lose the reward are givers of cups of water, not proclaimers of Proverbs. Let me say that again. But the ones who don't lose the reward are givers of cups of water, not proclaimers of Proverbs. So again, this is about action. Not about talking about what we're going to do, not talking about how we're going to change, but actually taking action. Starting small, but building upon that action and taking action. And friends, the hospitality we receive is directly related to the hospitality we give. We know that, right? The love that we give is also related to the love that we receive. That's just how life works. And friends, we can't scare people into a relationship with God, but we can sure love them into a relationship with God. We can't force people to be in fellowship of the church, but we can certainly provide hospitality once the Holy Spirit brings them into our building. They are welcome in our buildings. Being hospitable, though, friends, is not an add-on. It's a way it's just should be ingrained in us. It's not an extra task in the busyness of our ministry, of our lives, and in our mission. It has to be at the core. It's what defines us. It's about how we live and about what we do in the environment that we create, in the places we worship, in the places we work, in the places that we gather. And there's a quote that is sometimes attributed to the poet Maya Angelou that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Now, I don't know who originally said these words, but I've heard it sort of the same thing said this way. People don't know how much you know, or they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care about how much we know until they know how much that we care. 
And as I've studied in school and we watched many videos, I can't remember all the church examples that I watched, but one of them was about a pastor and his wife that started a very small church today is, uh, takes up city blocks. And she said, the pastor's wife said, in the beginning when our church was small, we just provided radical hospitality. We loved people with a radical hospitality until the message rang through, until God spoke to them. And that's how we built the church, through hospitality. The Holy Spirit brought them to us and we just loved them. And God did the rest. And so friends, as I begin to close for this week, it's been a while since I've done this. Let me give you some takeaways. I have more than three. I think there's five or six, but here are my takeaways. As my professor said, as I'm learning, it's the Holy Spirit that brings people into our churches. And churches should just naturally be welcomed by the hospitality that we show and through our actions. We don't create barriers to come to church. It's an open environment where all are loved and received. Radical hospitality, number two, should be the standard. Love God, love people. Number three, our actions speak louder than any words of welcome can ever speak. We must live with the love of God in our heart and through our actions. Number four, learning from a teacher is as good as being the teacher. Sometimes we have to quiet ourselves and learn and be in conversation. And number five, small actions are better than no actions. Just do something, friends, but do it for God's glory. When you're stuck, when you don't know what to do, start small. You don't have to do everything in one day. And I love that message. I was happy to see that in the lectionary because I just believe in blooming where we're planted, using the gifts that we have, starting small but taking action. That action will lead to momentum. But at the end of the day, we're building God's kingdom, all for God's glory. Start small, friends. Start often. Take action. Be the sermon for people through your actions. God bless you all. I'm praying for you every day. Let us close with a word of prayer. O God of love and mercy, who calls us yet again to worship in front of our phones and our TVs and our computer screens, we know you're with us, Lord. We thank you for all the ways you continue to provide for us and our families and our loved ones. And Lord, we just lift that up to you and we thank you for that. Lord, be with us this week and in the coming weeks until we're able to get together in person in, in the houses that we have built in our churches. Be with us until we can come again together, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Friends, as you go this week, remember that God has given you all that you need as you reach out in love and caring to others. Go into God's world, bringing the good news of redemption and hope. In Jesus' name, go in peace. And may the God of peace go with you always. Amen.